Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to Rebel Civics. Today, we're going to talk about Guy Fawkes Day, uh, the V for Vendetta movie, elections, uh, and petitioning the government for a redress of grievances. Um, yesterday was election day. Anyone else notice that Guy Fawkes Day and election day are almost the same day? Uh, I guess that's a coincidence, but they are actually both about the same thing. Uh, Guy Fawkes Day is a little more powerful of a message than voting. But uh, yeah, they're only a couple days apart. And the way the government defines dates, uh, election day in the United States is the second Tuesday after the first Monday in November. Um, Guy Fawkes Day is November 5th. That's a, a bit easier of a date to keep track of. So uh, when I, I, I titled this, uh, Guy Fawkes was right. And what I'm really talking about here is the, the Guy Fawkes, uh, modern day Guy Fawkes character V in V for Vendetta. Um, that's, uh, that is um, the, the, I celebrate by watching V for Vendetta with my girlfriend every year. Uh, my girlfriend comes from a country where that doesn't celebrate Halloween. They celebrate Guy Fawkes Day. Um, it's uh it's an awesome movie. If anybody hasn't seen it, I uh, recommend uh, watching it. Uh, a favorite quote from that is, remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. That was V. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about the history and what, what the original um, Guy Fawkes did. Uh, that's actually a paraphrase of a quote from the, from the original, but... Um, uh, and one other thing, kind of a housekeeping thing to mention, uh, I live in uh, Florida. Uh, the tropical storm Nicole is about to switch to hurricane. It's 200 miles straight east of uh, the town I live in. Um, and I'm uh, three miles from the ocean. So uh, if the streaming suddenly stops, um, it's probably because I don't have power and internet. Uh, anyway, that's part of life in Florida. Um, so uh, yeah, don't uh, don't worry if if it stops, then uh, then we'll. Have it. Uh, somebody said I live in England, English. I said I've lived in England. So welcome, Cheerio. Uh, do you celebrate Guy Fawkes Day? It's Angela. Um, my girlfriend's from South Africa, but yeah, they do a lot of the holidays uh, from England. Um, Okay, and B. Allen, uh, thanks for noticing I was on. That was a mistake. Uh, I'm learning to drive this myself um, because Beverly isn't uh, always available right now. So, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've made another mistake. I, um, one time I rolled the intro instead of the credits at the end of the show, but Beverly happened to be there and corrected it. So, um, yeah, I, was, I think my video was on for a little while. Anyway, before I played the intro. Um, so, anyway, I'm going to talk about Guy Fawkes. Uh, the 1605 version of uh, Guy Fawkes, that's the original Guy Fawkes. Uh, that was in England. Uh, he was a Catholic, and at the time, the Church of England was was oppressing, pretty horribly oppressing Catholics. Uh, it was the Protestant Church in 1605 England. Uh, the, the Church of England had a, uh, a lot of influence. Basically, it was combined with the government, um, and Catholic was considered the wrong religion. Thankfully, now most Christians are okay with uh, all Christianities. Uh, they, you know, the Christians don't fight with each other now. They tend to fight more with 
other religions as far as which one's false and which one is true. Um, anyway, so Guy Fawkes was a Catholic. Um, 1605 England was a fairly oppressive place, although there, you know, we were going through, England was going through some changes. They were writing over, you know, those 500 years or so before 1776 and the U.S. and the, you know, the American War for repent for uh, independence. Um, there was the Mag Magna Carta, the English Bill of Rights, uh, a couple, a, um, a couple other, uh, uh, there was five total. I don't remember them all. We got a British, we got a Brit here. Maybe they remember them, but yeah, the Magna Carta and the English Bill of Rights uh, were quite important. And England at the time, the way they had a peaceful, they, they, there's no such thing as a peaceful transition of power. Generally, the way you transition power was you cut the king's head off and you get a new king. Um, and sometimes the people would do it. Sometimes somebody else would do it, but uh, they didn't have voting. They didn't have, uh, I I'm going to talk later. I got a list of things that I uh, had there. So Guy Fawkes' solution uh, was to take 36 kegs of gunpowder and blow up parliament with the king in it. Um, he got caught and they hanged him uh, before he managed to do it. And then they uh, drawled and quartered his body and put it on display. So anyway, that's what they did to got the real Guy Fawkes in 1605. Uh, I was on November 5th. Um, after that, uh, British citizens, I assume a lot of teenage boys, I've heard that, but we're talking about 1605. So history could be a little tenuous here, but um, on November 5th, there was a celebration, if you want to call it that, where some wanton property destruction Um that is part of the origination of what, when I grew up, we called Mischief Night, uh, the night before Halloween or on All Saints Eve. I talked about that more in last week's episode, which was um, about Halloween. And Pirate pirate uh, Kiff hosted that episode. But yeah, if you want to hear more about that, check out the episode from last week um, with Pirate Kiff. Anyway, so it started this kind of yearly celebration in Britain. Uh, and uh, I don't know if it's still goes on now, but um, it kind of became mischief night in the United States. Um, some people, to some people, it was a protest of what he did. Uh, it's hard to tell. Some people, I think it's just you're telling the government what you don't like. Um, so the uh, V for Vendetta is the character I know a lot more about um, because I watch a movie uh, every year on November 5th um, in a celebration. And doing research for this episode, uh, me and my girlfriend watched FIFA Vendetta again. So I said, yeah, I need to research for next week's Rebel Civic. So my research primarily was watching V for Vendetta again. So in the in the uh, world of, of V, it takes place in England, in London. Um, it's loosely based on the Guy Fawkes character and situation. He wears the mask and the whole, the whole thing. Um, in the, the world of V's time was horribly oppressive. It's there's a chancellor and and who's uh, a great character. He's awesome. Uh, he also happens to be the guy that uh, played Winston in 1984. Uh, completely opposite character, but this guy is a incredible tyrant. The uh, the chancellor in V's world. Um, it takes place about in our time. Uh, and so it's not a 1605 recreation. It's London about roughly now. I mean, I don't think it says exactly where. Um, the government was 
uh, incredibly oppressive. The people who are beat down and going along and doing nothing. Uh, the government would arrest people, kill them, throw them in jail. Uh, they had sc huge screens everywhere where they would broadcast propaganda from the government. Uh, one of the uh, characters in it, main characters, works in, in the um, propaganda office. Uh, the media is one media source. It's run by the government. Everybody watches that. And it's entirely based on supplying propaganda and controlling the people. Uh, there's also religion is in it, uh, but it's a, a secondary tertiary role compared to the original guy, Fox. Uh, they never even say anything about uh, the character as far as religion goes, but religion is used by the government to control and manipulate people. So if you can get people to follow a religion that's tied in with the government, um, you can, you know, you can use faith to control people. And that's what the government in V's world was doing. And there was none of the uh, things we have in America to petition a government for redress and grievances and vote and all, all that sort of thing. There's none of that in this, this movie. Um, the people are uh, subject to all kinds of things. It starts out, uh, they have a curfew and a woman violates the curfew and V comes out and stops the, uh, the guys who go around and, you know, they might rape her to get so that, that in exchange for not not uh, turning her in for being out after curfew. So anyway, that was the world of V. And when I say Guy Fawkes was right, I really should say V was right. But I thought Guy Fawkes was right is a is a much better title. Um, so it's the modern day Guy Fawkes I'm talking about. I don't know enough about the 1605 one, but from what I've read, it looks like he might have been right, too. Um, but I don't know enough to claim it. So. So, you know, if uh, if somebody says, no, he was a terrorist, he uh, he was just trying to kill people, blah, blah, blah. Um, I'm talking about V. So just say, well, watch V for Vendetta and see if you agree with that. It's about that world. Uh, it's not really about religion. Um, anyway, what V does in the movie uh, is he actually does blow up parliament. And it's a great it's a great scene at the end. And all the people are woken up to this that actually the people can do stuff. Um, I'm going to read some V quotes at the end, kind of end this on a fun note, but uh, yeah, he does. Uh, he, he has a lot of great quotes in it and he speaks eloquently. Um, his house is just loaded with books and art. And anyway, he's fun. He says behind this mask, there is more than just flesh beneath this mask. There is an idea and ideas are bulletproof. Uh, great stuff. Um, I, I couldn't even write them down as fast, but I found a website with V quotes and the remember, remember one. I remember because we say that for fun all the time. Um, anyway, uh, some of the steps that are not available in 1605 England or in V's world, uh, same kind of thing uh, that that are available in America. Uh, first off, there's voting. That's kind of the first thing. A lot of people say you have a duty to vote. Uh I did go vote yesterday. Uh, there were several elections. I, several of the uh, campaigns, I didn't vote for either candidate. I abstained and just left it uh, because they're both horrible. And so if I don't have somebody to vote for, I don't vote. Like I don't do the lesser of two evils thing because that would be condoning the whole thing. So, but yeah, I've, I voted. And in Florida, there was a awesome uh, libertarian candidate uh, who I interviewed a couple weeks ago on the show. Uh, that's for U.S. Senate. Uh, Dennis Misigoy. 
Uh, he's running against Marco Rubio. Probably most people in America have heard of Marco Rubio. Uh, huge red flag gun law guy, you know, uh, lots of problems with him. Uh, the Democrat candidate was far worse. <laughs> um, but Dennis Misigoy ran and watch my episode if you want to hear a good uh, discussion of libertarian concepts. Uh, he would be an awesome senator. Um, I actually don't know the status of the election. I don't care all that much about national elections, but I did try to promote him. I did promote him uh, quite a bit and uh, interviewed him and posted that all over the place. Uh, it was a fun episode. I really enjoyed the conversation with, with Dennis uh, about what he would do as a senator. Um, he, he's he's like, you know, one senator that's been really good on COVID is Rand Paul. I consider Rand Paul the best Senate senator. Um, one of the things we talked about as far as voting libertarian, it's a protest. It could be a protest vote because libertarians generally don't win. Um, but to vote for Rubio rather than Dennis Misigoy completely violates my principles. Uh, I voted libertarian on that. There is an argument that like Rand Paul, I think it would be a good idea for the libertarian party not to run somebody against Rand Paul. Um, uh, Thomas Massey is my favorite in Congress. I wrote him in for president last election because there was nobody on the ballot I wanted in office. Uh, so I wrote him in uh, for the reason that uh, he's already going to D.C. and trying to do something. Uh, and he is actually succeeding in doing something as a congressman. And um, his positions are great. He's a Republican, uh, but it seems to me he's pretty much libertarian and he's or further. Um, I'm not I've never been a member of any party. Uh, I call myself a small L libertarian for most things. Um, you can consider me a libertarian if you want, but I've never been a member of any political party. Uh, I, I'm registered in Florida. It's called No Party Affiliation, NPA. So um, I'm not trying to promote Massey as a Republican. Uh, all I wanted to say as far as this idea of Election Day, that voting, it's kind of the first step in how you, you do something about the government. And the problem with national elections is... I consider voting to be the adult equivalent of writing a letter to Santa Claus. Uh, I did vote, but I don't, you know, people say your vote doesn't matter. And, uh, and I voted for president in New Jersey for 30 years, like talking about a vote doesn't matter situation. Like, so voting is a step though. You can change the government there. Um, voting for president in New Jersey is kind of a farce. <laughs> there's no point. Uh, there's actually no point of voting in for me and voting any, in any national election in New Jersey. Uh, I've never in my life voted for anyone that won. <laughs> um, and I tried the second step, like petitioning the government, basically send a, send a letter. Um, and that didn't work either. Um, I'll talk about that when I talk about the First Amendment. Somebody remind me if I forget. The, um, so I compared it to writing a letter to Santa Claus. Uh, I'm serious about that. It's pretty much the same. The biggest exception to being the adult equivalent, to being the equivalent of writing a letter to Santa Claus is that your parents don't intercept the lever and give you everything you want. Uh, but people do pretty much think of the government as Santa Claus. And if they can get something out of it, 
it's part of the problem with voting. It's the reason that we're not a democracy. It's the reason that democracy is a horrible system. Uh, we are not a democracy. Um, the uh, I just saw a chat from, I can't pronounce that. Uh, he said, you could throw some soup at some art. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Uh, talking about a useless, an utterly useless and um, irrelevant uh, thing unrelated to the the beef of the people who are throwing soup at famous art and um, using super glue to glue themselves to the wall uh, in protest of fossil fuels. Uh, that's interesting. I wonder how much fossil fuels are used in super glue. Um, they wear clothes that are made of fossil fuels and glasses and uh, the, people have no clue what they're even talking about. Uh, we did a book club, uh, Fossil Future by Alex Epstein. So yeah, th those those guys throwing soup at the art, um, when they sit down and debate the the uh, arguments of Fossil Future, the problem is they have no freaking clue. The people that want to make gasoline or, or carbon fuel-based cars illegal in California, it, it's funny. I think you should just laugh at that. Uh, Anyway, that's use of a government like, like V's, V's, uh, V's world. Somebody commented, sorry, Guy Fox was not right. Uh, watch V for Vendetta. I'm talking about the modern day Guy Fox. Um, I don't know enough about the 1605 one, but it's a great title. I assume you missed the beginning. Far away Finlay. Um, yeah, watch V for Vendetta and, uh, let me know. Um, the, uh, so voting, that's kind of the first step. Um, local elections, uh, it can make a big difference. I am super big on voting for sheriff and school board. That's a really important election. That really, really matters. Um, president and uh, the Democrat and Republican Party are one uniparty. They're on the same team. It's just a little show. Uh, the Republicans are Democrats driving the speed limit, paraphrasing Michael Malice. Um, conservatism is about keeping things about the same. Um, and the concept, like the number one tenet of conservatism, as I see it, is don't change anything. Uh, it doesn't actually matter if it's good or bad. I made this point today on, on Twitter. People were talking about, uh, um, you know, vote, the voting, the whole voting thing. Since yesterday was election day, um, how come more conservatives, uh, Republicans vote on the day and more and more Democrats are voting early or in, in by writing? And I kind of look at it that like the idea of conservatism is don't change anything. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. And secondly, uh, it's going to change because people are changing things. So you just slow down the change and then eventually accept it. So the, the number one um, thing that happens uh, with conservatives, Republicans in Congress, say, is they slow down the Democrats. But the drift to socialism, the government gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, we get more and more socialist. Uh, they start improving. The, um, they they Im improve or increase the government's control to you know, restrict the states. Uh, the state, you know, my state tried to change out of daylight savings time. Not allowed to do that. Right? Uh, 
I don't know where in the constitution it says that the U S government gets to define time, but, um, I couldn't find it. So anyway, I possibly am drifting off topic, but we're talking about how you tell the government, you don't like what's going on. So, um, people do treat the government like they're Santa Claus and people vote for something they want. Um, got a super chat. I think that's YouTube. I'm looking at both comments and one thing from StreamYards from G-Man. Thank you, G-Man. In the future, we'll all wear clothing made out of pure light energy. There will be no need for petroleum. That's good. Yeah, good point. Um, that's up there with, with, the, with the car, electric cars. Uh, we won't own anything. We'll eat insects. Um, yeah, let's see. Uh, Nim, said, Nim says, I would like to see a votes counted per hour stat for your election. As I've been told, it would take a long time to count them. Um, also, uh, if anybody's following, I forget which state it was, but they talk about most of the ballots actually don't work in a scanner because the scanner don't work. Scanners rarely work or I, you know, who knows why. It's government equipment, right? Probably run by a 1980s uh, gateway computer. Um, the scanners don't work. So like something we say, like most of the ballots actually don't work in a scanner, but they put them in a box and they take them to a place where they get counted. Uh, that's, that's a fun one. <laughs> and there's no, there's no further, uh, photo ID or it's just a box of ballots and then they count them. So the interesting question there on this voting is, okay, you don't get to turn in your your ballot in, and scan it in a machine and at least see a receipt. Uh, that's the way the election here in Florida works. Uh, you fill out the ballot, it's a paper ballot, you fill it out with a paper, with a pencil, and then you, the voters themselves, they stick it in the machine and it scans it, and then the scanner comes up and it displays that you're counted. Prints out a little piece of paper and they save the paper. I mean, they're at least trying. Uh, the machines work every time I voted here. Um, in New Jersey, they had the ballot electronic ballot machines. You pull the lever. Uh, you, I mean, you just hope the machine works. Um, it's a pretty easy system to, to fraud. Who knows how much fraud we had in the last presidential election? There was some. I don't know if it was enough to change the outcome, but there certainly was some. You, know, you see the videos of the what's the Ten Thousand Mules movie. You know, you see these videos of people driving to the the uh, ballot turn-in stations and just stuffing 25, 50 ballots in. And then, you know, another picture of the same person two hours later, stuffing another 25 in another machine. Uh, who knows what's on those ballots and where they came from at the uh, mail-in ballots. So some happened. I don't know if it would be, an, I don't know if it was enough to, to matter. Um, so anyway, yeah, government is in Santa Claus. Uh, keep that in mind. Uh, voting is like writing a letter to Santa Claus for most part, certainly for national elections. And again, just to make this clear, sheriff, school board, those are really important. Um, I was going to read the First Amendment because this is really what uh, in in America um, we have this First Amendment, which they're supposed to follow. They don't follow, of course, but they're supposed to. So the First Amendment says um, everybody should have a little book around. I have a bunch of well-worn copies. Uh, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or bridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. 
So in V's world, in V for Vendetta, in 1605 England, the original guy Fox's world, uh, essentially they had none of this. Uh, the original guy Fox was violating the first part of this, uh, make no law respecting establishment of religion. There's an official religion. It was even an official version of an official religion. Um, you know, now today, most people consider being a, one of the Protestant variations or being Catholic, like Christian. Although I have heard the argument, and it's fun to debate that, that Catholics aren't Christian. Um, that's a fun one. But I, 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 I'm an atheist, so I, I don't really have a strong stake in that. Um, I consider them all Christian if they follow the Bible, one of the versions of the Bible or some variation of it. Um, that's what I mean when I say the word Christian. Um, second part, uh, prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So prohibiting the free exercise thereof of religion. So in the United States, it is not legal. It's not lawful for Congress to make any law about the free exercise of religion. Uh, in 1605 England, uh, they didn't have that. V for Vendetta, they didn't have that. They're state-sponsored religions, um, state-run religion. It's mandated. You can't have any other religion. Uh, that's a terrible way to run things. That causes enormous problems. The founding fathers in America recognized that because they looked at 500 years of European history, and they wanted nothing to do with that. So there's no religious test of office to hold any office in the United States. You can be any religion or no religion, doesn't matter. As a practical matter, uh, it actually does help to be Christian, I think, from what I've seen. Um, next part, abridging the freedom of speech. Uh, that didn't exist in V for Vendetta. Freedom of the press. There was no press. The press was British. I mean, the press was the government, uh, the kings, or the. it was the chancellor's press in um, V for Vendetta. The right of the people to peaceably assemble. No, nah, they didn't have that one. And to petition the government for redress of grievances. That's meant to be a peaceful uh, petition. Uh, I kind of look at V's world as it didn't have any of these and it was really bad. His petition was to blow up parliament um, spectacularly. And uh, it lets the government know we got a problem here. And... Um, it wakes up the people. So in the V for Vendetta movie, it wakes up the people. People start resisting as V is going around and um, opposing the government. So uh, it's a great movie. Anyway, um, we do have these technically. As far as petitioning and government for redress of grievances, like I voting was not working in New Jersey. So I thought I was young and naive. I thought, well, maybe if I contact my... Uh, congressman, um, something would happen. That's about this. I knew about this line, petitioning the government for redress of grievances. So I wrote a letter to him. I spent a whole evening, very nicely worded, carefully, my, you know, had somebody check it out and um, make sure it was look good. And I sent it off to my congressman. And I don't know, a month or so later, I got a reply. Uh, Thank you for your interest in Puerto Rican statehood. And uh, that was that had nothing to do with what I wrote the letter about. Um, I didn't even know Puerto Rico at the time. I was 25 or so. Uh, I didn't even know Puerto Rico was, there was a movement in Puerto Rico to get statehood and voting had happened several times and it's always failed uh, because they love the, the money. If, if Puerto Rico had to became a state, I'm digressing slightly, but I want to talk about this redress. 
uh, Puerto Rico became a state, a lot of the uh, welfare money basically that they get, you know, I mean, a lot of people in Puerto Rico have never paid rent or an electric bill, like a lot, um, maybe most, I don't know. Uh, Puerto Rico, more than 50% of the Puerto people in Puerto Rico do not want to be a state. It would cut back some of the federal handouts that they get. Um, so they don't want to be responsible for themselves. That's how I see Puerto Rico. Anyway, so I tried this second method, writing a letter, which is basically look at petition the government for redress of grievances. Um, I saved that letter for years and years and years. I had it over my desk, just kind of a reminder of what petitioning the government for redress of grievances does. Uh, when I moved to Florida, I uh, happened to be in the uh, district of Congressman Brian Mast. Uh, he's not super big, but you may have seen him because he loves to walk around when he's got two, two uh, uh, legs, you know, mechanical legs, because his legs got blown off in, I think, Afghanistan or Iraq. He was a bomb disposal tech. It's horrible. I'm not saying that's not a horrible thing. Um, he uses that big time uh, as part of his uh, campaigning and sympathy. So uh, he's almost always goes around with shorts on. Uh, he wants everybody to see his legs all the time. He uh, And I'm not really objecting to him that much on that. I just think that part's funny. Uh, and it, and it does work too. I can see that it works. Um, as a congressman, uh, he is super against the right to keep and bear arms. Um, he was, there's a video of him with uh, Nancy Pelosi in a meeting with Trump. They're trying to convince him five or seven years ago or so it was, five years, uh, to, to ban so-called assault rifles, uh, which, which I define as... Um, scary black black rifles that appear scary to people who know nothing about firearms and are useful for politicians to to control people um basically that's that's the best definition of an assault rifle i ever come up with um i have i have the full i should write down the full one anyway uh this is this this congressman uh i've and he happened to have an office uh that i could walk to from my apartment um he has several offices around our district so anyway i uh I've been there five, six times. I've written him, I don't know how many letters, 10, 15 in that somewhere. I uh, called his office and pointed out he's violating the Constitution with a nicely worded list of why. And I would like to meet with him and um, explain why he should not be doing that and hear what his reasons are for, for violating the right to keep and bear arms. Um, uh, you know, going against his oath of office to support and defend the Constitution uh, that he committed to is for being a congressman. Uh, I've never gotten any reply. Um, one time I've, uh, other than a letter, thank you for your interest in blah, 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 that, and none of the letters that I got from him, you could even tell what his position was on it. They're carefully worded to not even express an opinion, which, by the way, is the same as my New Jersey congressman. Uh, about the Puerto Rican statehood. All he said is, thank you for your interest in this matter. Uh, you couldn't even tell from the letter uh, whether he supported it or, or was against Puerto Rican statehood. And I didn't care about Puerto Rican statehood, so I didn't even try to find out. Um, I no longer remember what the thing I wrote him about was, but I kept the letter over my desk for 10 years. So that hasn't worked for me at all. 
this petition, the government for redress of grievances, absolutely zero success. Um, I don't think that works. Um, so at least as far as I can tell, now I've heard people having some success. Uh, I think if I lived in Kentucky and I had a problem, I could get to Thomas Massey. I suspect that would be po possible. It might even be possible to get to Rand Paul um, on a point like if he was violating the Second Amendment. Now, neither of those guys are going to violate the Second Amendment. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, people like that, I think you get to. The guy, Dennis Misigoy, that I interviewed a few weeks ago, running for senator in Florida as a libertarian, no question. And, and in fact, I talked to him for an hour on the show. Um, he, he would... I think he would be not a problem to get to. Um, but anyway, petitioning the government for redress agreements is at the national level, in my experience, is useless. It's not even worth trying. Uh, they could care less. They don't care. Um, you know, you say with my congressman, I've gone to the point where I, I've taken, I finally got disgusted. I went to his office. I've been to his office one couple times and brought a constitution. Uh, one time I mailed a constitution to him. Um, one of my handy little pocket ones. I buy them in boxes of uh, 50 or 100. Uh, they cost about, yeah, 45 cents or something doing that. And I hand them out when I'm, it takes a couple years and then I, then I'll buy another box. Um, anyway, I put one, I gave one to the guy who worked at the office and um, at Brian Mast, my congressman, U.S. Congressman Brian Mast. I gave him one and um, asked him to put it on his desk. And I highlighted Second Amendment, and I put a little yellow sticky note on the front that I wanted to meet with him and talk about uh, why he uh, is not, is opposed to this. Um, and my face guy said, I have a polite meeting, and I, talk, I ended up talking to a guy for like 15 minutes. He said, sure, sure, I wish he would talk about that more. I don't know why he's doing that. Like, this is the guy who works for him. Um, he said, I'll put it on his desk, but I'm pretty sure he's not going to respond to this. He's not going to want to talk to you about this. Uh, so I assume I'm not the only one <laughs> uh, based on that. Um, so this petition to govern for the redress of grievances by something like write a letter or try to meet with a, a national office holder, congressman or senator, my experience, that don't work. So that's the second thing. So voting hasn't really worked. And trying to petition for redress of grievances, that doesn't work. Um, the next thing on my list <clears throat> uh, is nullification by a state. So we're taking a, a step up here. And uh, um, these are the legal means. So I haven't gotten to blowing up parliament yet or say the Capitol building, which I would oppose. It's a beautiful building and we own it. Like, I don't want to blow it up. Um, and I'm, I don't consider myself in a situation where that's the only option. Uh, I fee for in V and V for vendetta. That's where he was at. And uh, like I said, I don't know the 1605 guy Fox story well enough to say, but maybe that's where he was at too. I don't know. I don't know enough about that to say. Again, Guy Fox was right. I'm talking about the modern day Guy Fox character in V for vendetta. Um, so anyway, the next step, and I'm talking about legal steps, constitutional legal steps, is nullification by a state. So part of the, one of the key differences uh, between the United States and as uh, far as I know, every other country um, is the states of the United States are a union in the central government is operating under the authority of the states, not the other way around. 
the closest analogy that I know of worldwide is the European Union, um, where France is a autonomous state. Um, they're using the word state. That's what the word state means. So if you read the um, Declaration of Independence, it's the it's the 13 states, because they had seceded from England, declaring themselves at the same time independent of the state of England. Uh, they use that word in there. They call it the state of England. Um, the, uh, you know, Canada is definitely not that way. Uh, the, the, the provinces of Canada operate as basically as administrative units. They have some authority, but they're administrative units of Ottawa. Um, U.S. states often act like they're administrative units of D.C., and they love the money and, and the, the SWAT vehicles and that sort of thing they can get from it. Um, but some states are more resistant than others. Uh, I live in Florida. Florida is one of the better ones. Uh, uh, there's uh, Florida, I think, was number two or three in the last Liberty um, Cato Institute uh, Liberty criteria. They have about 50 criteria, and they rank them in importance and they declare which state uh, is the most free. Unless uh, you're New Hampshire one, uh, New Hampshire is is being is getting to the point where it's strongly influenced by the the Free State Project. That, you know where there's uh, tens of thousands of people. I think it started with 20,000 people when they picked New Hampshire. Uh, they're moving to New Hampshire and uh, making some significant changes there. Um, so New Hampshire has moved up in in that rank. Um, Tennessee, I think, is second or third. That's another one. Uh, I think it's North North Dakota. Uh, whichever state was it, North or South Dakota, that has the governor that never did a single COVID restriction and said this is all bullshit. Um, it's, a, it's a woman governor. Um, they're pretty. They're pretty far up there. We have Tennessee, Texas is high on the list. Uh, the places that are really far down: California, New Jersey, New York, Massachusetts. Uh, it's the the same cast of characters. Uh, I think we have irreconcilable differences and need to just separate from them. But anyway, the step I'm talking about right now is nullification. So that's my third step in what to do. So a U.S. state uh, has the power to nullify a federal law that's unconstitutional. Um, they don't use it very often, but they should be using it far more than they do. One example uh, that's um, working is states nullifying, nullifying federal marijuana laws. Um, states... Uh, I, I, it's more than half of them now are uh, medical marijuana is is legal. And in a lot of states, recreational marijuana is legal, including New Jersey, which is interesting. Um, anyway, I, yeah, I would never move back to the Democratic People's Republic of New Jersey because it's run by communists. But they did do that one. Uh, drugs, they're, they're good with the drugs. Uh, even in even in the Soviet Union, they never allowed the, the flow of vodka to, to stop. Uh, you know, places that were banning alcohol and closing bars during COVID, like, no, the Soviet Union, they know never do that. Like, like you got to keep the flow of vodka going. So maybe that's part of the reason uh, in New Jersey, California, Colorado. Uh, you know, if everybody's stoned, they probably won't petition the government for redress of grievances. They might not even remember to vote. So maybe that's part of the reason I'm speculating. Let me make it clear. This is rebel civics. I make it clear if I'm speculating. Um, it's not about freedom in New Jersey. I can tell you that. I lived there for uh, 
all my childhood and for 30 years as an adult working there, there's no way that the um, marijuana, legalizing marijuana in New Jersey was about freedom for the people. The, the government doesn't work that way there. Um, so, uh, but so many other states, it is about, about freedom. Uh, medical marijuana is, is legal in Florida and recreational is probably going to be legal soon. So the interesting thing about this, this is nullification. The states are just saying, no, we don't support this. Um, and they do have the higher power because it's unconstitutional. Uh, I think everybody knows that. Everybody should know it. Anybody that's read the Constitution knows. There's nothing in Article 1 of the Constitution that delegates a power to Congress to make any regulations about any drug or food, um, including marijuana. Uh, at least when pro alcohol prohibition got through, uh, enough people understood that, that they made an amendment. Now, it was stupid to pass it. It was the, one of the dumbest things they've done so far. Um, other than, say, we'll see what happens in Ukraine if the U.S. government successfully manages to get a nuclear World War III started. I would rank that above the stupidity of alcohol prohibition. Um, but anyway, they did have an amendment for that, and they repealed the amendment when they realized uh, you can't do that. So that should have been a good lesson. Um, another good thing that came out of that is NASCAR got started. Uh, the old dirt track, crazy NASCARs that were kind of came out of the uh, the alcohol runners, you know, 80 miles an hour with a 500 gallon tank thing from the Jim Croce song. Like that sort of NASCAR. That's cool. I don't go watch NASCAR races, but um, I happen to know a NASCAR driver, uh, which is interesting talking to somebody. But he's a long retired one and he was in the days not too far past the dirt track concept, I think. Um, but it's fun. It's fun hearing stories about NASCAR, you know, a few decades ago, what it was like. It's nothing like NASCAR today. Uh, they didn't even really have standard cars. You just did whatever you wanted pretty much within some fairly open uh, rules. Now, now it's totally standard cars. They, they made it pretty boring. I think, um, I used to do hill climb car races. So, uh, different, different classes. So, um, that's way more fun than NASCAR. I think you, you at least get to make your own car. So anyway, uh, where was I at? I keep stressed going off topic. Um, and, and I will say, I don't mean this as an excuse, but I will say, uh, part of the reason is I had very little I spent very, I didn't spend anywhere near the amount of time preparing that I normally would uh, because I spent a lot of time yesterday and this morning uh, battening down the hatches. Uh, I had a 24 foot boat. We put the lift up, put it up further. Uh, the water is like, uh, well, ha probably halfway to my knees out on our dock right now. Uh, we had to turn the power off because we got a lot of open electrical boxes that are now underwater. Uh, I know we have a seawall, but you can't see it anymore. Um, so anyway, I don't mean as an excuse. I'm just explaining. I'm doing a lot of this off the top of my head because I have really minimal notes. Um, so if this seems different from my normal show, that's why. Uh, it's, due to, it's due to Nicole, Tropical Storm Nicole. Uh, just under 200 miles east of me, for those who straight east of me moving west. Um, supposed to make landfall pretty much here uh, at midnight tonight. So uh, for those that came in late, I said in the beginning, if the stream gets cut off, it's probably because I lost power and internet. Um, so anyway, it's part of living in Florida. Uh, I, I don't, uh, I'm not trying to make people concerned. I live in a um, 
two story because somebody said good luck. Uh, yeah, we're not doing we're it'll be unlucky if you know we have to do a lot of work on the electrical system on the dock. Um, my boat's in a lift and it was um, I put it about probably six feet above the level of the water yesterday and I went out this morning and moved it up another two feet when I saw it was going on. Um, but yeah, it's it's strapped down to the lift and the lift is strapped to the pilings and there's a strap on the dock box so it can't rip the bolts out that hold it down. Uh, the water was halfway up my dock box uh, at high tide at 11. So, But anyway, uh, because uh, somebody... Uh, it's spelled N N M M N M M N M N N M. So if minimum, could you please spell that out phonetically for me so that I know how to pronounce it? Put that in comments. I'll catch it. But anyway, this person said, "Good luck." We're pretty well prepared. I have a policy anyway. Like my girlfriend and I could survive in our condo for. Um, probably two weeks without going outside, uh, easily a week. And, uh, we could like a week would be fine. We'd be fine. Uh, and uh, we could be a week, we could be here for a week with no power and no water. Uh, and we'd be fine. I, I can chat with my dad by a uh, handheld ham radio if I want, who lives uh, not too far away. Um, but yeah, we're pretty prepared here. The, the building, I'm trying to decide where to continue this, but I think it is a civics lesson. So this is not was not in the agenda. So I am violating the uh, board of directors uh, rule about agendas. But a civics topic that uh, might be fun to do a show on actually is being prepared, being taking care of yourself, being prepared. Um, so I, I will talk about this for a couple minutes because I think it I think of it as a civics topic, um, being responsible for yourself, being prepared. So, uh, as I said on Twitter, um, it was a joke, but you know, I called my, uh, called my stockbroker. I'm just going to say it cause I like the joke. I called my stockbroker yesterday and said, what should I be buying? He said, canned goods and ammo. So yeah, those are two things to have around. Uh, but as far as the hurricane prepat, that's more for the zombie apocalypse, but for, um, hurricane prep. Uh, it is actually a good idea to have some ammo around uh, because if the shit really hits the fan and for weeks, um, people who are as prepared as we are uh, could be subject to attack. Um, so we have uh, a sick bunch of six gallon uh, jugs of water that I treated. Uh, I don't recall the name. If anybody wants to know, uh, post it in YouTube comments. I treated with a uh, five year uh, you, you scrub, totally sanitize the bottle, put the water in, in and treat it with a uh, five-year long chemical to where it stays drinkable for five years. Uh, so we have that. We have um, we have a lot of non-perishable food. We have we have a refrigerator full of food, and I have a little generator. Uh, if the power stays off for a long time, I would run the generator and keep the fridge going and some lights. Um, at some point, uh, you we wouldn't be able to keep the refrigerator going. We have a lot of food, non-perishable food on hand. Uh, we have a camping stove. Um, we have a patio we can cook on. Uh, the building itself, as far as being prepared for people who told me about luck, uh, it's a two-story concrete uh, block construction with a concrete slab roof 
thick and, and then a, you know, waterproofing above it. And the, um, the gaps, the, the hollowed out part in the concrete blocks are filled with poured cement. Um, this thing, this place has been here since 1970. It's built like a tank. Like Andrew went through here. Uh, some people had windows break. Um, but we have hurricane shutters now. So there's these accordion steel doors. If the wind gets over about 75 miles an hour, I'm not doing it because we have a nice view of, of a little, you know, harbor and river. So, and we can keep an eye on things, but yeah, if it gets bad enough, I'll put on a bathing suit and go out and shut the hurricane shutters. The previous owner said, you know, around 75 mile an hour winds, uh, especially if it's out of the North straight at the, the windows, um, would do that. And our, uh, our, porch uh which has sliding glass doors all around is what they call miami dade uh impact uh windows which is i think it's rated for a hundred and something somewhere around 180 miles an hour and um a missile impact they call it which is basically blowing debris so yeah that part's pretty secure and all the rest of the windows have steel accordion heavy steel accordion doors uh you could you could pitch a cinder block at those and it wouldn't go through the the window um so anyway uh, we'll be fine here so thanks for the the good luck and i hope i didn't talk about that topic a little much but it is a civics topic be prepared uh, i think it's it's a crazy idea to not be able to survive for a week in your residence with with the power and water off um, i don't know if a week is the right number but in florida i think a week is probably a minimum um, if the power and water stay off we could we could live more than a month here without ever going outside. Um, and uh, one critical thing on that, uh, the toilet, I used to live on a Creek in New Jersey. Uh, we had the power go off in the winter for four or five days before in huge snowstorms. And the snow was so deep and a tree came down, we couldn't get out of our neighborhood. Um, but we had a Creek, so you can flush the toilet with a bucket. I don't know if uh, anybody ever knows to do that, but yep, I would, we would go down to the Creek uh, which was running so you could kick through the thin ice letter and get a bucket bring it inside uh and i had a couple of them and then it would thaw we had a wood stove so we had the wood stove going and let the bucket thaw and that's how we flush the toilet for i don't remember something like four or five days uh here i live on a river if they shut the power off uh, we just go out and get a couple buckets and put one in each bathroom uh, that one's simple um and it's not a not a disaster we also have the the crazy little camp uh, thing that we use in for tent camping for you know boondocking it's a bucket with a toilet seat on it you put a bag special bags in there and kitty litter that's a good thing to have around um for for a uh, little emergency like that so anyway thanks for asking uh we're fine uh g-man says got my nuclear water filter and six months of food six months that's good i don't know what the number is i think we're in the one month range um if the refrigerator stays on uh there's weeks more that way um, and if uh, you really did start running down, uh, you'd, you'd start rationing the food if you couldn't get out. <coughs> but yeah, G-Man says, got my nuclear water filter and six months of food. That's, that's cool. That's more than uh, most people that I know that even prepare. That's, that's well prepared. And I happen to have met uh, G-Man before. Um, and, and I'm just going to say, because I, I hope he doesn't mind saying, but the G-man of his YouTube handle is his is his uh, basically handle because his, 
because of the first letter's name. He's not a uh, federal agent. As far as I know, um, he could be, but I've never seen people standing around him screaming, Fed, Fed, Fed. So uh, I'm pretty sure G-Man is not Ray Epps, um, and, and Ray Epps is pretty obvious. Where is Ray Epps? I'd be really getting off topic there. So anyway, uh, that's nullification. Nullification is a constitutionally legal uh, tactic for a state to use. Um, an example of how you can use that is uh, there are states that do not have a gun confiscation requirement for medical marijuana uh, patients that have a prescription. So this has been used in several places when, but that is, there is a federal uh, law against that. So if you're a medical marijuana patient, you're not allowed to have any firearms, period. Um, some of the states have that too, and the states just take them and can't do much about it. But that's not true in all states. Uh, there are states that essentially they nullify that. They're not, um, they, it doesn't happen in that state and they will stand up. It's done generally everywhere I've heard that done is at a um, at the sheriff level. So uh, for those who don't know about the sheriff or, and people that don't live in the United States, uh, the sheriff is not the police. It's a totally different thing. The sheriff is an elected office. The sheriff is answers to the people of the county. So the highest law enforcement officer in a county is the sheriff and the deputy sheriffs work for the sheriff. Uh, the, the police, the mayor of a town, uh, the county directors, like they, they can't, they can't tell the sheriff to do anything. If a sheriff decides that somebody's not allowed to do something, uh, he's, he's the highest law enforcement. And that includes anybody from DC. Like nobody from DC can tell the sheriff what to do. So an example where sheriffs have done this is a, uh, a case, I'll tell one case, I know of several, but um, I think it was in one of the Dakotas or Montana, Utah, up there somewhere. Um, a uh, Iraq or Afghanistan, I think it was Iraq, uh, veteran had spent uh, years in the Middle East in one of these forever wars. Uh, he had PTSD um, and he was taking medical marijuana He's in a state where medical marijuana is legal and the state has no ban on, uh, they, they have no firearm confiscation thing. You can have firearms uh, when you're, that's not illegal in that state. Um, and actually if it was illegal, the sheriff could still do it if it was constitutional in that state, that, that it was, if it was unconstitutional. I'm pretty sure it would be unconstitutional in Florida. So um, it actually wouldn't even matter if the Florida legislature passed a, uh, a bill that said you can't have a gun if you're a medical marijuana patient because it's constitutionally illegal under the Florida state constitution also. And it's constitutionally illegal under the federal government. Uh, they don't care. They pass laws that way anyway. Anyway, this story, little civic story of what a sheriff is, um, the uh, ATF or maybe the FBI, I think both of them, the ATF sent a letter to this guy because in some places, the federal government can get um, uh, information about medical marijuana users that have a prescription, and they can get information about uh, gun owners who purchased one through a, a dealer and, and has a um, 
went through the federal background check. So they send letters to people who have both when they when they can cross correlate them and they tell them they have to turn in their guns to the police. And if they don't do that, they'll come and get them themselves. So anyway, this guy gets a letter, this Iraq uh, veteran with PSD. Uh, he gets a letter saying um, they're going to come take his guns. And he he goes to the sheriff of his county and, and you know, it wasn't in a city, so there was no police there. But um, even if there was, you can still go to the sheriff uh, because the sheriff can tell the police chief what to do, tell him to buzz off. Um, so the uh, the guy gives shows this letter and the sheriff says, no, nah, that's unconstitutional, violates our state constitution. It violates the U.S. Constitution. They can't do that on the sheriff. Um, so he replies no <laughs> to the ATF. Um, and so the ATF says, uh, well, we're going to come get him and tells him the date. It's kind of funny. They told him the date, but they told him the date. So these four guys show up in a big black SUV from DC. Uh, I, I know it was ATF. I think there was an FBI guy with them too. Um, they show up to take his guns, um, at the appointed day and time and the sheriff, of the county got uh, several deputies and they went to his house and they were there at the time. So the, the uh, somebody just said WTF question, question, question. Yeah. Ross Tavarta. Uh, this is true. This is true. Um, or maybe it's about his earlier comment. I'll read that a little bit later. Yes. Hospitals. Uh, I won't read it exactly how he put it, but hospitals in the U.S. Uh, perform genital mutilation of children. There's just a lot of hospitals that do that. Um, the, the same people, I'm just going to respond to this comment because this annoys me too. Uh, pisses me off. Is that a way to say that? Angers me. Um, a lot of the same people that rightly oppose the the you know female genital mutilation done in some African countries, some, some, uh, I think a few other places, uh, they rightly oppose that those same people are perfectly fine with mutilating the genitals of children in the United States. Um, actually they, they are in favor of it and encourage it. Uh, that's, it's the same people. Of course, those kind of people are hypocritical, but yeah, uh, genital mutilation of children in the United States is a thing. Um, what else did he say? Inflation out of the wazoo. That is, of course, a uh, an effect of printing money, um, and some also uh, borrowing money. So, uh, for people to know what the definition of inflation is, it's expansion of money supply. So, if you expand the money supply by just hitting a, clicking some buttons, uh, the people who get that first expansion of cash, like the big banks, um, the government, they get to decide how to use it. It is an advantage to them. Everyone else, it lowers the value of the dollar. And we're not the ones that get to use those printed dollars. Uh, we don't get them first. So what happens is the expansion of the money supply causes, there's a, one of the effects of that is it increases prices of everything. What's actually happening is the value of the dollar is dropping. So that's what's going on in the United States right now. Um, I'll just note that the biggest tax and spend president in U.S. history was Donald Trump. I don't know if uh, Joe Biden can beat that, but Trump signed the biggest bill ever. And he was proud, the biggest bill ever, um, which makes the, and it was, from what I heard, I, it was the biggest bill ever, actually in the world. 
<laughs> so the United States government is the biggest government in the world uh, by a lot. Um, and per, per person, if we look at like how many dollars per citizen do they spend by that criteria, United States government is the biggest, it's an empire, all empires end eventually, you know, so I don't know how much longer this one will last. Um, but yeah, the history says all empires enter and eventually the bigger the empire, the harder they fall. So this, uh, depending on how you count, we got around a dozen wars going on right now. They're trying to start world war three, trying pretty hard. Uh, I don't know. They may succeed. Um, the U.S. government, that's what I mean by they. I never use we to refer to the U.S. government. If I do, it's an accident. Uh, they're trying to start World War III. Um, they're trying to stir up one with China uh, right now. Um, we have a first strike policy on Iran. Uh, they lie about Iran's uh, uh, development program on nuclear weapons. But yeah, um, Ross says, we know what inflation is. <laughs> We're not misery reads, idiot audience. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, I expect anybody who's listened to more than a few shows of me understands what inflation is. Um, he said the war with China is coming regardless. Yeah, uh, maybe it is. They're, I consider the war with China a backup to Ukraine. Um, they've been trying for nine months or so to get World War III. And a, a war essentially is a war going between uh, the U.S. and Russia. Um, we now have troops on the ground, quote unquote, inspectors um, in Ukraine and we in the war zone. Uh, and they're the latest thing they're doing is they're installing uh, missiles in Finland. Um, they claim this is like last week. Uh, they claim it's for political stability in Europe. Uh, that's pretty funny. <laughs> um, if uh, could would Putin install missiles? in Cuba for political stability in North America. Uh, you know, that's like ludicrous, but that is what they're saying they're doing. Uh, more missiles went to Cuba. Uh, the U.S. government and NATO just participated in an, in an exercise a week or two long um, where they practiced how to destroy Russia, including using nuclear weapons with like a dozen or more NATO countries participating um, bomber runs launched from the continental United States. Uh, they, they, they did a major exercise in how to destroy Russia in a nuclear war. Uh, they just did that a few weeks ago. So, and, and, you know, Putin's sitting there watching that. Luckily, Putin's not quite as crazy as Biden. Biden's crazy in multiple ways, but I, I don't know. Maybe look at that started. I'm getting off, off topic, but I think I went through uh, the whole list. It was an interesting list of problems uh, that um, he's decided. So I want to go back to this story. I'm really, this is a problem I have good notes too and watching the chat too closely. Um, the story of the sheriff and the ATF going to confiscate the guns. Uh, I hope everybody remembers because I just wandered off topic for a long time watching chat. So uh, this, the uh, sheriff, he goes to the house. They're there with some deputies the ATF and possibly an FBI agent, I can't recall. Uh, they show up at the house uh, with a letter. They notify, they come up and they notify the guy who's sitting on his porch uh, that the um, he that they have to turn over their guns to him uh, because he's not allowed to have firearms as a mar medical marijuana patient. And the sheriff says, no, no, uh, that's legal in my county. It's a constitutional requirement. 
Uh, you can't take the guns. Um, so they get in a little bit of an argument, a, a heated argument. Um, and uh, standing outside in front of this house, and the sheriff gets his like several deputies that they have, and they stand in a line in front of this guy's porch with him sitting on the porch, uh, just in front of his porch. And the sheriff says no. Um, and so the uh, FBI and ATF agents say, uh, you don't understand. Like, we're from D.C. Like, you can't say no to me. And the sheriff says, I certainly can say no to you. To you and if you persist in this, uh, I'm going to arrest you and we'll put you in jail and we'll charge you. Um, and they're like, you can't do that. And he says, yes, I can. And the agents started approaching him like they were going to physically do it. These are armed FBI and ATF agents. They're armed, well-armed open carrying, well-armed. Um, they approach him. The sheriff draws his weapon, uh, I, I think, to high ready. And he says, no, you're not going in this house. You're not approaching this house any further. Get off this property now. Get out of my county. You're not allowed to do this. So they respond. The guy's stopped at the point of someone in front of him with a weapon drawn. They're rethinking this a little bit. Um, but they get into a continued heated argument and the sheriff's saying, you're not going in. Uh, I'm going to do what I need to do to stop you. You are not going in and you're not taking his guns. It's unconstitutional. Uh, you have no authority to do that. Uh, get out of my county. And so these guys, they go back to their car and they call back to DC. <laughs> they call their boss at the ATF and they tell them what happened. And their boss, their boss says, uh, no way. You guys do your job. Go get his guns. Like, sheriff can't do that. Um, that's what the boss tells him. So they get out of the car, and they approach the sheriff. And the sheriff again says, are you going to start a shootout? Because there were more deputies there than ATF agents. And, uh, you know, ATF agents, are they wear suits and stuff like that a lot. They're probably not trained at the level of a sheriff. And this sheriff, uh, from listening to him and his deputies, that's pretty freaking based. I would bet that these guys have done more scenario training and practice at the range and that sort of thing than some, some guys who flew there from DC. So they come up, they get in another heated argument. Um, they end up going back to their car. Uh, Ninum says, what's the ATF? It's the alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. It's actually, there's an E after it now. Alcohol. Oh, thanks Ross. Um, uh, and the FBI is the Federal Bureau of Investigation. They're both law enforcement uh, people from Washington, D.C. They're federal law enforcement. So anyway, um, the guys go back to the car. They call the boss again, and they tell him, like, the sheriff drew his weapon. And they says he's going to arrest us. The boss is, like, pissed. He says, well, hold, all right, uh, we got to get more than me on this. So the boss calls his boss. Uh, it gets up to the head of the ATF. Um, fairly quickly that this is going on and the head of the ATF contacts the attorney general of the United States and the attorney general says, uh, you know, the sheriff's right. <laughs> and it's like, what do you mean? He's right. He's like, nah, the sheriff is right. Uh, the federal federal agents, you know, ATF and FBI agents don't have authority above a sheriff. Like that's not how it works. Um, the sheriff can throw them out of the out of the county if he wants. Uh, he could contact the state police and the state police could remove them from the state or put them in jail. Uh, that's actually how it works. Um, so uh, they were quite surprised and they sheepishly sheepishly drove away. 
Uh, also, the attorney general and the head of the ATF told the boss and told these guys, um, don't tell anybody this. We need to keep this quiet. Uh, we don't want this kind of thing to get out. Um, so that's what they did. So it was a squash story that was squashed. Uh, if you've never heard the story, it's because mainstream news doesn't cover that. Uh, they would be told not to cover it by, you know, somebody from D.C. would call any news station and say, uh, you are not to cover that. Uh, they would call uh, Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and tell them to pull content that says that. Uh, you got to use alternate media like unsafe space uh, to find out stories like that. Uh, yeah, that's how it works. Um, uh, somebody asked about the state. It was a Northwest state, I, and I don't want to do it from memory, but it was like uh, one of the Dakotas or Montana, Utah, some, somewhere up there. Um, it sounds, it could easily be Montana. Like uh, I was just in Montana, <laughs> Northwest Montana. Um, it's the first place I've ever traveled with a firearm where they didn't even look in the safe. They just said, oh, okay. Like, like there, there, there's a big sign, like, don't take bear spray on the plane. Um, they were more worried about if we had bear spray than if I had a firearm. <laughs> um, it was in a safe. I was following the rules. So, uh, and I'd flown, flown to Montana. Um, if you do that, I, there's, I also did an episode of that called traveling with firearms. Uh, one advice for flying I said is don't make a connection through a state where that doesn't like guns like New Jersey. Um, don't do that. Uh, if you get diverted, say to Newark, um, and I fly to New England, I have family up there. Uh, I make a connection through uh, a, a state that's okay, like not New York, not New Jersey. I'll pay an extra 50 bucks, 100 bucks to, to connect through. Pennsylvania is fine. Um, don't connect to Maryland. Don't connect to New York. Don't connect to New Jersey. If you get diverted because of weather to New Jersey, you know, Newark or Logan and Boston or JFK, and you have to stay overnight because of bad weather and you have a firearm in your luggage, do not accept possession of the firearm. There's a civics, there's a really important civics lesson. The airline is responsible to get it to where you're going. Uh, no way you want to accept possession of your checked luggage with a firearm in it in New Jersey, in Newark to stay overnight. Um, an example of what can happen is uh, a case where a guy was uh, put in jail and charged for having a magazine larger than 10 rounds. And he connected through New Jersey in Newark. Uh, it was, it was, uh, they had to stay overnight because of snow. Uh, he took his luggage to the hotel, the airline paid for a hotel. Um, when he went back the next day to check in, uh, they found his 30 round magazine in his checked luggage and they arrested him. Uh, Anything over 10 rounds is illegal. Uh, he did not have ammo with him. He did not have a firearm with him. He had bought a 30-round magazine for uh, for his brother who lived in Maine, where that's fine. And he was flying from North Carolina, where that's fine. Uh, he didn't know, connected through New Jersey, but uh, he didn't know about that. So, yeah, the guy ended up in jail for like a, a plastic thing with a spring in it. Um it's illegal in New Jersey. So there's a side, there's a side civics, uh, little side civics lesson. Don't do that. I flew through Texas. We went through Dallas from Florida to Montana. No problem. I don't mind. I would accept the Glock uh, in Texas. That's not a problem at all. So yeah. And I, when I saw the, for the cheapest flight, you know, was through Dallas. I was like, okay, that's good. Anyway, I want to get back to this uh, sheriff story. So they really don't want people to know about that. So 
This is an example of nullification. I'm on my one, two. This is my third topic. Um, the states need to act like states far more than they do. Uh, the marijuana one is working. Eventually, the federal government has to give up on marijuana being illegal federally. Like they have to give up. Uh, it's it's impossible for the federal government to enforce something that um, half the states have nullified. Uh, it's physically impossible. Um, so they have to give it up. And so that's one way that federal law could be changed is by your state nullifying it. And it's happening with marijuana. I think that's an awesome way. I think states should be doing far more nullification. Um, my state, Florida, has declared without using the term because the term, uh, in, it, in, it leads to uh, anger in Washington, D.C., but yeah, Governor DeSantis has, has nullified a bunch of things. He did during the COVID lockdowns. Um, he's uh, he's done it on several other um, topics, gun charge things. Uh, even though he's in favor of red flag gun laws, and I voted for the Libertarian for governor, uh, DeSantis is is pretty good. He's the, one of the least worst of the governors. A lot a lot of what he's done is good. He was better than nearly all other states on COVID. Uh, but not the best. Um, he was probably second best. And um, anyway, <clears throat> there's nullification. Uh, the second, the fourth one, um, as far as legal means, is secession. So a state leaving the union. Uh, this is not a perpetual union. The original document that formed a union, the Articles of Confederation, and the first version written something like 10 years before that by Ben Franklin, uh, he called it a perpetual union. Um, that was purposely removed in the Constitution that got passed, that created the United States in the form that we have it now. Um, secession is legal. Uh, the fact that Lincoln started a war over it, um, which it was over money. I don't go too far down that uh, topic. I should do a show on that also. But um, what happened uh, was the, the southern states peaceably seceded. The way that process works constitutionally, uh, you can't secede into a confederacy. The states have to secede. They become their own country, and then they can join another union. Now, that can be all done in one motion, but that is how it works. Um, Texas, for example, has seceded twice successfully, and once it was failed. So Texas has seceded three times. Uh, the first was from Spain when um, the Mexican government was formed, Mexico seceded from Spain and became its own country. Now, Spain didn't start a war the level of what the British king did. Um, there was some contention about that, but yeah, they seceded. Then uh, in the 1830s or so, somebody from Texas, you could correct me. In the 1830s, Texas seceded from Mexico. The Mexican government did start a war, but Texas kicked the shit out of them. Uh, they didn't do very well. The Mexican uh, government in 1830 or something uh, didn't have much of a military. And when they lost Texas, <laughs> their military was was pretty far gone. Um, so anyway, the Texas military itself, it's actually really the it was the militia then. It's 1830 we're talking about. Uh, everybody had a gun. Uh, probably almost everybody in Texas still has a gun, except for the Californians who moved to Austin. Um Anyway, uh, Texas seceded, 
Um, the war that was started, uh, Texas won. And so the uh, Mexican government started building up its military to try again. And they were doing that. They were putting a huge effort into building up their military to be enough to, to take Texas back. And after, I think, seven or 10 years, something like that, um, the Republic of Texas was its own country. Uh, somewhere seven, eight, I forget how many years, the, um, oh, somebody wrote it down, settled at San Joaquino, April 21, 1836. That's great, 1835. So um, the uh, Mexican government's military eventually got to the point where Texas thought they would probably win when they started the war. And there, there was known that they were planning on attacking and getting Texas back. So Texas decided to petition uh, the United States to join the United States. Uh, so it was a Mexican state um, for many years. And then it was an independent country for a decade or so. Uh, they petitioned to join the United States and the United States accepted them. Congress, the, you know, the way that works is Congress would vote. So Congress voted to accept the Republic of Texas to be a new member of the union and join the United States. And that's how they stopped the Mexican military from trying to use force to take Texas back. So Texas, that was the second Texas secession. Uh, the third Texas secession was the, the 1860s one. Uh, and in that case, Lincoln, you know, killed a quarter of the males in America uh, to get it back because Lincoln wanted the tax money. I'll do another story in details on that. But yeah, the third secession, it did secede three times, but um, the, the state was returned to the United States by uh, force, which is the same as the state I'm in. So Florida is not actually a voluntary member of the United States. Uh, it was done by killing a lot of Floridians to the point where they had to give up. So I'm not in a state that is a, is a lawful member of the United States. Now, at this point, most people are okay with Florida being part of the United States. But um, no, I don't, I don't live in a state that did it the way the 13 original ones did, uh, where the state actually agreed to, to join. Uh, I live in a state that was conquered by the U.S. government's military um, when it was part of another country. And the Florida government was overthrown and um, it became an administrative unit of the federal government. So uh, so Texas has done it three times. Florida did it once. Um, we could do this again. So I'd like the term that you know a lot of people use. Uh, Tom Woods just released a free great ebook called uh, National Divorce. Um, we went through the book book Texit by Daniel Miller and Book Club. Great book. I've now read that twice or listened to it probably three times, read it once, hard copy. Um, that's a great book. Makes a lot of powerful arguments about secession. Uh, Tom Woods calls it national divorce. That's a more, uh, that's a good term. Um, the way that would work is the state just leaves. Uh, it's its own state and um, becomes its own state, its own country. Uh, the constitution would need to be modified some, uh, but not much. Uh, the Florida constitution wouldn't need much mods and leave the union. So that's kind of a fourth, fourth level. And all these things are constitutional. So just to review them, voting, we're writing a letter to Santa Claus for, as far as national election goes, petitioning the government for redress of grievances, 
that didn't work at all for me. Uh, nullification by a state, that I see working. I think we should do more of that. And then se secession. And I'm also in favor of that at this point. I think our differences are irreconcilable. The best solution, the most peaceful solution is for my state to leave the union. Um, and I would like I would like to see that happen. Uh, I'm done with this. Florida has a 22 million population. It's got a huge shipping industry. There's there's economically we're fine. Uh, you look at Texas. Texas would be something like the tenth biggest country in the world economically. Uh, lots of seashore. Lots of it's got power. It's got oil. Texas is the only state that has entirely owned power grid. Um, uh, Texas. Texas would be fine. So Florida would be fine. Uh, there's like most countries in Europe are not this big or a lot of countries are not this big. And Texas is like 30 million. Um, I think Florida's around 22 now. Uh, it's pretty big. Uh, and even New Hampshire, there's a lot of talk of secession there. That's only one and a half million, uh, but they consider themselves fine. Uh, New Hampshire uh, has the, adva the advantage that both Florida and Texas have. Florida, it's a uh, C, but um, they have a border to another country. Um, so that's a good thing if you secede. Uh, New Hampshire also has a small seacoast. That's a good thing. So it's uh, way simpler if problems occur to be in a state that has a border to another country without going through another state and has sea access. It's easier. Um, but anyway, I think of secession as the fourth solution. So again, voting, uh, petitioning the government for redress of grievances, nullification, by a state and then secession. So those are the four legal constitutional things you can do. Um, I've tried the first two. The third one is working. I think we should do it more. And I'm up to the fourth now, secession. All right, so back to Guy Fawkes in 1605 and V's world. Um, they had none of those four solutions. Those four solutions did not exist in uh, actual 1605 England and they did not exist in V's world and V for Vendetta. Uh, the way power was transitioned uh, in 1605 England and would have had to been in V's world is you cut the king's head off uh, V's modern world so you don't need to do the guillotine method. Um, but that's the only way you did it. And what Guy Fawkes was going to do is blow up parliament when the king was in there. Um, kind of look at it. I guess that was the only thing he could do. And it is actually how power transitioned at that time in all of Europe. Um, and V's world is like pretty close to the 1984 kind of scenario. Uh, how else are the people there going to do something? None of the four things I listed uh, could possibly work in the 1984 world of Orwell or in V's world and V for Vendetta. It's actually the only option that the people have. So for people who in comments who were uh, objecting to Guy Fawkes' right, was right, uh, let me know what Guy Fawkes should do. Uh, you could say, is it wrong for a slave to run away because a slave was property? Um, morally, it's not wrong. <laughs> uh, slaves should try to run away. And if a slave gets caught trying to run away, I would support a slave killing the master. Uh, that's the only solution. That's how it works, folks. All right, so I'm going to read a couple quotes and end this. How long have I gone? Oh, geez, I've been gone for uh, an hour and a half. I wonder how many people are still with me. Um, 
Texas was never successfully invaded in the war of Northern aggression. Uh, do you recall, this is none of your business. Um, I'd invite you to check out um, the uh, Texas when the general and the troops uh, were dropped off. Um, I forget the name. I'll have to look that up a little more, but uh, remember, remember the 8th of November, <laughs> the mail-in plot after the vaccine caught. Very good. Oh, and hi, I'll fight you naked. Uh, I haven't seen you in a little bit. Um, welcome. That's great. Remember, remember the 8th of November, the mail-in plot after the vaccine clot. Uh, that's good. There's some rhymes in there. I, I, I maybe work on the word order a little bit. I don't want to think about that. That's awesome. So I was going to say some quotes. So I'll do the remember, the remember. Remember, remember the 8th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. That's that's V. Um, in my opinion, it wasn't really treason. He had no option. But the gunpowder plot is the name I prefer to use for uh, what he was doing. Uh, and it's celebrated. The gunpowder plot is a celebration. In South Africa, the celebration now is uh, people get together on November 5th and they have a party in the evening. That's um, that's that's how you celebrate that. Uh, we watched the movie. I don't know uh, very many people that celebrate it, um, but I can tell you the, uh, I, I believe, I know Carter watched it. He watches every November. Beverly watched it. I think Juliet watched it. Uh, the unsafe space team celebrated Guy Fawkes Day uh, by watching V for Vendetta. So uh, anyway, uh, that's a great quote. Um, I was I was joking, and Carter told me it would be a bad idea because it would usurp the holiday uh, the same way the uh, Christian Church usurped the pagan a holiday uh, in the in the fall on October thirty first by moving a usurped holiday of the media to October 31st, November 1st, and as a way of converting pagans to Christianity, get them to celebrate their holiday. So I was thinking, why aren't Guy, why isn't Guy Fawkes Day and Election Day the, the same day? They should just be the same day. Um, they're pretty much the same thing. It's just a different method of, of uh, telling the government you're not happy what you want to do. So, uh, so I was thinking maybe we should change the quote, but the problem is the way governments write things. Um, if you know the uh, the definition, I think I said it earlier uh, of of what election day is in the United States, the quote would have to be, I'll make sure I get this right. Uh, remember, remember, the second Tuesday after the first Monday in November, the gunpowder treason and plot. That doesn't work as as well. So for that reason, I don't think we should do that. Also for for Carter's reason that um, it'll end up usurping the the Guy Fox holiday, and we want to celebrate that because that's an awesome thing. The Guy Fox in uh, V for Vedetta, what he, what he did. Um, I had a few more quotes I was gonna I was gonna say, and I'm gonna share them because I uh, like I said I didn't spend a lot of time preparing notes for this. Present I have to remember how to do this. So hold on a second. Maybe I should just read them. This changed in StreamYards recently. Uh, share screen. Window. Hold on. I'm going to read some V quotes, and I didn't write them down, so I need to do it this way. Here we go. 
Sure. Um, add to stream. This is why uh, this is why it was so helpful to have Beverly because Beverly uh, Beverly could have done that in like three seconds, and I would just say. Um, I'm going to read some quotes and she would have heard me. So yeah, we need a producer. I need a producer, but maybe I'll eventually get trained and practice at this enough to tell. Anyway, here's some, here's some quotes um, from V. This is from V for Vendetta. I already read the remember, remember the 5th of November one. He says, behind this mask, there is, is more than just flesh. Beneath this mask, there is an idea and ideas are bulletproof. Like that one. Um, I'll post the link in the, in the show notes on, uh, to this on, uh, go to unsafespace.com, find the rebel civics article. It'll, it'll be in there. People shouldn't be afraid of their government. Governments should be afraid of their people. That's true. That's definitely true. Um, that's uh, actually comes from a Thomas Jefferson quote, which I'll, which I'll show you, um, I was going to read seven where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance, coercing your conformity and soliciting your submission. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great one. Um, we have that actually. Uh, I think we have that right now. Uh, it's not as far as the V for vendetta and the chancellor. Um, but we're, we're getting that and we're getting further and further to that. Uh, we have in the United States, the, the uh, federal government can call up Facebook and Twitter and tell them to, for example, uh, not allow anything to get out about the Hunter Biden laptop um, a month before the election, which, I mean, there was some fraud, but actually if that Hunter Biden laptop story was not suppressed by the media and Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, under the instructions of the federal government, uh, that could have changed the election. So anyway, yeah, where once you had the freedom to object, think and speak as you saw fit. Uh, this is something we need to draw a line in the sand on. Uh, it is actually going on right now. And this is a line that we cannot allow the government to cross. So uh, we don't want to, we, we, we got to not allow this. Um, Part of this is why unsafe space exists. Um, okay, another good one here. Actually, a lot of them are good, but I'm just gonna do a couple. Seven, I got one more here, but uh, the whole thing is good. One more and then I'll close this. Our masters have not heard the people's voice for generations and it is much, much louder than they care to remember. That's a good one. Uh, that sounds like it could have come from Thomas Jefferson. Um, but this is V and V from, from Vendetta. The guy who wrote V did a great job, who wrote V for Vendetta, a great job. Uh, the Chancellor character is awesome. He's also Winston in 1984, if I haven't mentioned that before. Uh, what an awesome actor. Um, the next quote I was going to do, uh, let me stop the screen. It is way easier to stop the share. Um, I'm just gonna read it from Thomas Shepard. It's on my shirt. Can y'all see that? A little rebellion now and then is a good thing. Thomas Jefferson. That's a great quote. Uh, I got this shirt in the Constitution Center in Philadelphia. Um, oh, here's another quote. I didn't write this down, but yeah, don't tread on me. Carter sent me this. <laughs> Carter sent me this for uh, Christmas. 
Um, great hat. I wear this hat all the time. Love that. And and it was after. Oh no, I think he sent it me after we started. He sent it to me after we started Rebel Civics, I think. But anyway, uh, that's the snake in the Rebel Civics. Um, so this is like my Rebel Civics hat, really. Um, don't tread on me. Uh, if it said Rebel Civics under it, that would be great. Maybe we thought about merch for unsafe space. That that would be a cool one. The snake and Rebel Civics or unsafe space. Um, the rattlesnake image, by the way, uh, that is used in the, the uh, original flag, that was Ben Franklin who came up with that. Um, the reason for the rattlesnake is the rattlesnake is only uh, it's North America, but it's, it only exists in North America. Um, the rattlesnake will never initiate a, an attack. You have to provoke it. Um, and if you do provoke a rattlesnake, it is swift. Uh, I've never gotten bit by one, but I actually had one uh, try hiking uh, in, in the dusk. Um, I heard the rattle and froze and turned my head and it went for me. Uh, turning the, turning my head and looking towards where it was was enough to, to provoke it. Uh, it didn't quite make it to me. and But I mean, I certainly did not even budge like by the time I even recognized what the snake was doing, it, it failed to get to me and then slithered away. So anyway, the rattlesnake, um, you got to provoke it. Uh, if you do provoke it, it's fast and vicious and it goes for you and you can't react. And so that was the symbol that they that they use, that, that coiled rattlesnake. It's a North American only thing uh, and it doesn't attack, doesn't initiate use of force. Um, Again, you know, against a human, it will not initiate use of force against a human unless it's provoked. The problem is that a rattlesnake might interpret something you're doing as not actually being aggression, so you better just stay from. Um, but it's the same kind of thing. So I think that's a great that's a great image, and that's why I used it. So anyway, a little rebellion now and then is a good thing. Uh, as far as what you know, our founders did. Uh, they seceded from England peacefully. And the king started the war by sending troops to confiscate their firearms. Actually, that I mean that the war was gone for a year before they formally announced to the king and the world all 13 states were seceding. Uh, but there were 13 states. There were 13 independent states. They all seceded. Uh, they didn't all secede on uh, July 4th either. It's really July 2nd. Uh, July 4th is was when the paperwork got sent out. Um, as John Adams say, you know. Uh, the date July 2nd will be remembered forever in America. There will be parties with, uh, he didn't use the word fireworks, but uh, I think it's whatever they call fireworks in a day and celebration all across the union. You know, uh, it was about, it was about July 2nd, which we now celebrate on July 4th. Cause that's when they, that's when the first hundred broadsides were, were released. Um, anyway, uh, a bunch of states seceded before that. I think like Virginia, for example, was somewhere around March of 1776. Um, Virginia seceded from England. Uh, something like a half of the states had already seceded and were independent countries. Uh, and and they had the, you know, they, they had a loose, very loose arrangement. Then they had the Articles of Confederation. Um, but it wasn't until 1781 that the United States became the union when the constitution was ratified. Um, no, 90, 
I should remember this. 88. Uh, it, was, it was 10 years later. I'm sorry. I can't forget, remember the dates. Um, anyway, uh, that's what the snake is about. Uh, I'm going to get back to my, I had a couple more quotes. Um, the t-shirt. Uh, no, actually, that was the last quote. So when the people fear their government, there is tyranny. When the government fears their people, the people, there is liberty. Uh, that's Thomas Jefferson. So uh, we need the government to fear us. And secession is a constitutional option. Uh, nullification, I consider an option that, that states should use more. And it does make the government feared. That's why the government is so adamant about nullification from a sheriff resisting the ATF and being willing to use force if necessary to do so uh, to states making marijuana illegal. Um, I, in my view, as far as nullification, I'm going to use the, 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 uh, um, uh, two different types of nullification, the way uh, it's defined. Uh, there's narrow and wide is one definition. So narrow nullification is what we're doing with marijuana right now uh, in more than half the states. Uh, they just make it legal in that state. They're nullifying the federal government law by making it legal. Um, wide nullification is when the state actually actively resists federal enforcement of the unconstitutional act. So that's that sheriff telling the ATF no, and the FBI, no, you can't do that in my county. Uh, I would consider that the wide form of nullification. Like you're willing to use whatever means necessary to prevent federal government action. Um, there is some of that going on in Florida, what you would call wide nullification. There's several states. Uh, is it Missouri? Um, I think that has passed some uh legislation to that does the wide nullification they made it illegal for uh any government representative in the state to support any federal uh, certain types of federal action all having to do with firearms uh, which would probably includes what that sheriff was trying to do um, but anyway the the concept of of gun federal gun bans um they can be arrested and subject to jail sentence for helping. So there's some teeth in that bill. Um, anyway, uh, I'm going to close this out for now. Thanks a lot for those who stuck with me all this time. Um, this is a fun episode. I got to go out and see how our doc is doing. Uh, the tide's uh, coming down a little. So, um, and it happens to be between rain squalls right now. Wind's blowing like crazy though. Our, uh, our offshore uh, forecast for today, zero to 20 miles, uh, and I'm three miles from the inlet, is um, 60 gusts to 85 knots, seas 23 to 27 feet. So, yeah, that's not a thing to take my 24-foot boat out in. <laughs> uh, that's what's going on here right now. Folks, reporting from Florida for Rebel Civics. Uh, thanks for joining. I'm Keith. Now you're going to watch me stumble through finding the credits. Um, I did it fast. I think this is the fastest I ever found it. So uh, good day, folks. Thanks for joining.
Thanks for sticking around until the end. If you're new to Unsafe Space, check out our deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. And please consider helping to fund our work by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. We hope to see you there. Warning, this is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. It would be better for your health if you forgot what you just heard. That should be easy for someone of your intelligence. The following co-conspirators are hereby ordered to watch CNN. Experts agree that 87,000 new tax collectors will make inflation feel like less of a problem. I think we can agree that the FBI's track record speaks for itself. If you think about it, only government-sanctioned experts should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.